Welcome to Make That Paper, the show that talks about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams. And to feed the dogs, the horses, the chickens, the goat, and the critters in Mom's new terrarium. On today's episode, we'll explore the Museum of Natural History Mystery, some preaching about teaching, and peddling developmental editing. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker Stickle. And Jason Bieber. And on today's episode, we are speaking with a powerhouse author whose incredible books have been printed by Fairlight Press and her essays have been published by tons of media outlets. She is also the prose editor, frequent contributor, and co-founder of the feminist literary collective Writers Resist, which has become a profoundly important literary journal in these fraught socio-political times. It is such an honor to have her speaking with us today. So without further ado, please welcome Sarah Marchant. Did I say it right? Sarah Marchant. Yes. You did. Exactly. You said it right. Sarah Marchant. I mean, listen, my Michigan accent, people have literally stopped me and been like, why do you, that's, and I'm like, shh, des toi. Shh, shh, shh. That's how I say things. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't Sorry. notice any accent that you have. I thought you were from California. Ooh, she is not. She's not. <laughs> she is a. She is an import from the Middle West. No, from the. Um, I'm gonna cry. That was amazing. From the New England of the Midwest. I am from the, from New, the New England e- of the Midwest, otherwise known as Michigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anyone from Michigan, so maybe that's why I haven't noticed. It's beautiful. Everyone sounds like me on TV. That's what I'm selling here right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say, I coerced Sarah to be on the podcast. She was like emailing me about something else, messaging me. And I was like, yeah, sure. But you should be on our podcast. And she was like, no, I wasn't. That's not, this is not why I reach out. And I'm like, no, but you Mm -hmm. should be on the podcast. It should be why you reach out. And she was like, that's okay. totally not what happened. I was trying to pull a scam, and you called me on the scam, and you were like, why don't you just do it instead, instead of trying to scam? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm so, so excited. So anyway, now, now Jamie's part of Sarah's downline. Uh, I'm part of Sarah's and- downline, um, but I have pre-ordered her downline book. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I have pre-ordered the book, and i am just been like, Thank you. I check all the time to go, did I miss it? Am I supposed to have it? Like, every time you post something about your book that's coming out, Becoming Delilah, Mm-hmm. Um, which is like one of my favorite names. So the title is perfect. But I like when you post a picture of your book, I'm like, was I supposed to get it? Where is it? And I go and check my email for I'm my pre-order. When they, when they show me stuff too. I, I've never expecting, you know, I got some in the mail and I was like, oh my God, where'd these come from? Did I order these? But it was just, they just sent them to me. So. That's amazing. And I should have got you- one out to show you, but I don't remember where I put them. Oh, that's okay. We, we'll 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 post a link. Um, okay. We'll post a link for everyone to the book, and yes. it's beautiful. The cover is gorgeous. I cannot wait. I'm super excited. I remember. I don't know if Sarah was graduating my first semester, my first residency in grad school, or if she had come back to residency. I think you were graduating, and you were sitting in on a lecture, and. Um, I think it was Emily Rapp Black giving it and your banter with her. Do you remember? Did you have Emily Rapp Black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I just remember 
thinking, I don't belong here because you said something so smart and Emily said something so smart back to you and you had this whole conversation and in that moment I thought, holy shit, this is a really smart place and I'm not sure that. (laughs) At all. I have no recollection. Oh, because I sit in the back and hide. I sit in backs and hide. Usually I'm sitting at the back and hiding, (laughs) too. So I don't remember. Somebody called you the head of the class. Somebody, somebody. She called on me once to make me me read a James Baldwin excerpt in a lecture. Was that it? That was it. I shouldn't. Yeah. No, I was like, I like burst into tears. In you did. Public. It was horrible. You and you horrible. had this beautiful back and forth. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my See, God. I don't belong here anymore. You think that anymore. is like a good thing. I That was like one of my worst days at UCR. <laughs> I love that. I love that your worst day was like the, the most impressive thing Jamie's ever seen. Yeah, it was crazy, right? Dan it's burst crazy. into tears over James Baldwin. I was like, thanks, I mean, but, Emily. But I feel like it's, everyone should burst into tears over James Baldwin at least well, once. I mean, true. if you're going to burst into tears, that's, you know, you don't want to do it to J.K. Rowling's reading of Harry no, Potter. I mean, this no. was Although some of the other things that woman has gotten up to make me burst into tears. So That's why I use her as a reference. Um, <laughs> But before we talk about the brilliant author and works of Sarah and when she got there, I just, mm. I feel like it's important to bring up that um, you were teaching for a long time. And when I started following you on social media, you were still teaching. And there was a point in time mm-hmm. when you were teaching that the road went away. Your only road to get to the school was gone and they didn't shut school down that day. And you were like, I'm supposed to be at school, yeah. but the road is gone. Like literally it eroded the side of the road left it fell off the mountain it <laughs> fell off the mountain yeah yeah what and i <laughs> never forget that moment when i read it and was like this is pre-pandemic um but yeah, i'll never forget pre-pandemic. that forget that moment and i was like well what do you do how is she gonna get to what are they gonna do are they gonna like let her fire her like there was no zoom we weren't calling in on zoom and teaching it's really class at this hard point. to get no no and i did that I did that one semester during the pandemic and I was like, I'm out of here. I tapped out. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't teach by zoom, could not do it. Um, but when the road disappeared, that was, that was when we had those atmospheric rivers. Yeah. When, like our first one. And yeah. it wasn't like rain. It was like someone was pouring wading pools on mm-hmm. top of us. Yeah. And it was the road that goes from Idlewild down to Hemet. And the it just just sheared off, so there was no road anymore. No road. No. It was... how, I, I I mean I, I how how did that resolve? Um, they rebuilt it. It took them a year. So for a year, I was driving to Temecula and then around. So I added like an extra hour Holy to my already. Crap. So it was two hours to get to work. When it's just if I could have like hiked over the hill <laughs> it would have been no problem but it took me two hours and i had an eight o'clock class oh my no. god yeah yeah so i was getting up like about 4 30 in order <gasps> to get to work and then the kids would come in and they'd be like hung over and tired and high and i was like you know what i'm tired too wait and high at eight o'clock oh yeah 
Oh, were yeah. you teaching? Wait, were you That's teaching? Industrious. Were you teaching undergrads or were you teaching? Um, you were teaching undergrad, weren't you? I was teaching at community a community college. Yeah, yeah. I, I my kids were coming in high, not and sometimes hungover, and it's like what. But Jamie, not, you taught in the evening. This is an eight a.m. class. Yeah, true. I was actually impressed by their dedication to yeah being high that early in the morning. Yeah. And and they would all have the munchies and they'd bring me like French fries and and yeah, they'd be like, cool, okay. Yeah, they were really honest when they were high, so we had some good discussions. It was yeah. just the smell. I'm really sick of the smell because yeah. we're surrounded by pot farms where we live, and it's just oh, oh really, yeah, it's bad. That's insane. That's <laughs> crazy, and I love that. Let's talk about where you live for a second. Okay, so how long? How long were you teaching for, though? How long did you teach at the community college? At that college? Was it five years? Was it oh, five okay. Years? And when the pandemic started, you you, you just quit. I you just, did one semester or you then I did you one quit? semester on Zoom. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I'm not, I'm not coming back. Um, this system, the setup, it was, it was the bureaucracy. I love teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I love my students. But the bureaucracy was horrible horrible like the support system wasn't there yeah and um they were they were they were doing things like the same class that we'd always been teaching suddenly they took a unit away and they gave us less money because that unit was gone but it was the same amount of work and they even said this is gonna Hmm. be the same amount of work but we're just gonna take one of the units away and so we're not gonna pay you as much and meanwhile it's all online so you had to do everything way before upload it all upload all the work way before and sometimes you would upload all your work upload all your classroom and then they give the class to someone else (gasps) yeah they did that to me one semester and i was like oh mm -mm, no and i went through and i deleted everything absolutely (laughs) yeah that's your it's my intellectual property really exactly and so i was like no no and so i i went back and forth with the chair for a little bit and then I told her, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. Now, so. Did you find this, this bureaucracy that you encountered, was this, was it there before pandemic or did pandemic cause it, was, it slash it was bring always it there, like their general attitude and their yeah. setup. But it seems to me that they were using the pandemic to really oppress their adjunct faculty even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just didn't, I didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And with everything that was going on, it was just extra stress that I didn't need in my life. A hundred percent. Yeah. We learned a lot this year about, um, about adjunct faculty and what it means, what we know the differences between adjunct and the Jamie's adjunct with, uh, with her university. So in LA, we have the writer strike going and then our guild SAG after might be, um, so we're writers and we're actors. So right. ours might be we're going on. We're never going to work again. We're never going to work again. Um, <laughs> ours might be going on strike in a month. So, you know, we're going to pick it this week. But um, the adjunct professors in New Jersey, it is a big, strong union and they're striking. And I was like, I'm in California teaching. Um, it's called LA Abroad, basically. So I like write my boss and I'm like, am I supposed to be on strike? What's happening? <laughs> we'll table that for a moment and get back to it, Sarah, because what I really want to talk about is what a phenomenal writer yeah. you are, like just an incredible writer. And I want to know, 
when did writing start for you? When did you d know that you were going to be a writer and then how to support that? Like, how were you going to support that career? Oh, um, <laughs> this, this is my big question. <laughs> this is <a> big question. <laughs> I have a short story that I wrote in second grade, I think. Yeah. First or second grade. hundred percent. I have that okay. saved. And, um, I recently found that when I was looking for like property tax paperwork or something. I and I found, so it shows what my filing system's like. And, um, I read it and it's all printed out in like little girl handwriting and it's so cute. Oh and I like had a little illustration, but the thing that threw me is that it's not that much different from like my current work. <laughs> like the themes <laughs> are all there. I by, fucking like, love that. Grade. It was so weird. I took it to my mom and I was like, do you recognize this? And she's like, I never checked your homework. I never checked anyone's homework. I had like so many kids and I was working 12 hour shifts and I'm like, but <sighs> read this and she's like oh yeah you're still writing about that and i was like i know it's so weird um i love that yeah it was pretty it was pretty nifty and i have all my diaries on this shelf behind me but i burned a lot of them when i turned 40 that was really cathartic um so i've always been writing burn them after you you like copied them all into the computer well i went through and so it was like is there any good detail right so right right, right pages right, out yeah. But otherwise, mm -hmm. it was like, I don't Selective know. burning. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really need, like, my husband finding some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the, each of, some of the journals, there was, like, one regular, everyday kind of stuff, ramblings. And then there was one, like, dedicated to whatever man was in my life at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. those definitely went in the fire. And, um. Okay. We roasted marshmallows, that kind of thing. And, but what was the other question? So, well, what, how did like when did you actually like start to pursue writing as a as a career? And when you did, I think the part B of that question is, what did you do for money? What was like you're like? All right, like, I'm going to be a writer in five years. Until then, I'm going to do this to, I'm to gonna pay teach. my way. Yeah, like what um, was the actually was the... teaching came after my MFA, and the MFA mm. was where I was like maybe I should actually go do something with. What until now has just been like, I'm not going to say a hobby because it wasn't no. ever a hobby. It wasn't anything that I thought could be a career. Absolutely. I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was real. I was really late. I was like, I think I was 38 when I started their MFA program. And um, I hadn't had anything published. And then I started getting published while I was in the program. And uh, I wrote a novel and a memoir while I was in the program. And wow. um, my novel still isn't published, but the memoir has been published. But um, so, yeah, I was just, you know, doing regular job like stuff, but to support, <laughs> support my writing career since my MFA, I did teach. I, before I taught at the community college, I taught for the local cult up here. I love that. Expand and on that. I taught ESL <laughs> for okay. the local cult that has since been indicted by the FBI. Well, um, what language were they speaking? Oh, all kinds of languages. Um, mostly my students were Korean, 
and Chinese. And then uh, towards the end of my time there, they they had a lot of kids from Venezuela come in. And wow. um, yeah. What kind of cult? Was it religious based? It's a religious cult, but um, and I don't understand what religion except some form of evangelicalism, uh -huh. I guess. Um, but they were doing something shady online, making the kids sell stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I have so a child labor. No, because they're all, they were all adults. It wasn't like they weren't like building things. In right, right. I mean, they were there was a whole separate building on this huge sprawling property that used yeah. to be a boys reformatory school back in the day. Oh, hmm. So they took that and they turned this little prison into a little religious they call themselves a university but I, I, don't, I don't know but there's a whole separate building on the campus that was massively wired <laughs> and it was the nicest building on the property and i snuck over there once and there were all of these kids lined up at all these computers doing something <laughs> this sure. reminds me like we um invested in properties as short-term rentals and there was one we were looking at as a side hustle because <clears throat> as artists we have we were like well what's going to be our retirement right so mm -hmm. there was a property we were looking at in um in the three rivers area and it was the same thing and it was a cult but what was it called it was a religious cult talking about the church the church this was their church and it had tons of buildings and it had tons of property. There was a cemetery on the property, which is one of the deterring factors because there's no records of who's buried there. It's just people from the church. You were allowed to just bury people legally. And legally, you have to allow people to come and, and grieve there forever. Like that now that it's, you know, dead bodies are there, like you can't do anything. Oh, right, right. But there are weapons. It's a Christian weapons church. Yeah, I was more that was really the, the the deterrent for me was the caches of weapons and yeah. possible so we explosives. Didn't know. Exactly. So, so you guys were going to buy this property? <clears throat> no, we we ended it. up we thought about <laughs> it. And then we went and we were like and I did I went on a deep dive cuz research is my favorite part of writing. I'm a hmm. researchaholic. So I did this deep dive on this fundamental Christian weapons armory religion they worship weapons in jesus and I, I mean i'm not a christian i thought that was just like their deal bless your heart this is like <laughs> mm -hmm. they like the ar-15 is on next to jesus on the cross it's like, yeah but like yes but and yes and it was so insane they got kicked out because the fbi was after them so now they're holed mm -hmm. up in iowa somewhere like most of them are in iowa together but we were like, they couldn't take all their weapons. So they did bury weapons on the property. And we were like, yeah, we can't. This is bad juju. Well, like, see, my husband would have been like, yes, sign me up. Do I it. want that property. It's yeah. still, it's still available. And really? they've dropped the price. Yes. I'm going to send it to yeah. you after this Send podcast. it to me. Send it to me because I'm not kidding. I had to stop my husband from buying a hoarder house. We were looking, he literally put a payment on a hoarder property <laughs> because he wanted to go through all the hoarded junk. Does he, does he do like the auctions for the storage units? No, 
no we just were looking to we were gonna we were gonna take my elderly mother and she's gonna move in with us and we were gonna move to a larger property i can't even write that essay yet because the trauma is still too fresh sure. but oh it, was, it was a horrible experience but he actually we went to see this property and from the outside it was like a beautiful beautiful property yeah picture and us. We went inside and it was utterly terrifying like i immediately tensed up and Did you have to wear a mask? We should Oof. have. I mean, yeah. this yeah. was in the before. Like yeah. nowadays, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even go in. Yeah. It was so filled with junk that we went into one of the bedrooms and we were looking around with the um, real estate agent. And all of a sudden, a voice from one pile said, Did you want me to leave the room? And there was <gasps> a human on the bed. And we didn't even know she was there because there was mm. so much junk. And I have never oh. seen a man run as fast as that real estate agent ran out of that. <laughs> that s- swear to God, if you've never looked for a house, people listening, watching, listen, Jason and I, when we were look, we look at so many properties. We looked at a property, they had to schedule us because everybody in the house worked nights. And so mm-hmm. we were like, okay, so we thought the that vampires. We, yeah, exactly. So we went in thinking, okay, so no one's going to be there. They took us in bedrooms where people were sleeping. Mm-hmm. Remember that, Jason? In Las Very Villas? Well. Oh my yeah. God. We were like, yeah, this is a pass for us. And then like, what we the were heck? like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And we like snuck out and the, the, it's their realtor. Our realtor didn't even come with us on this one. He set it up with their realtor and we were like, yeah, no, this is this is an invasion of their privacy. Like, what's happening? It was so crazy. Yeah. And then we went and looked at a house where a yeah. person was in hospice in a bed, and they didn't tell us it was an open mm-hmm. house. And we went into the open house, and the mm-hmm. person was in hospice in the bed in the house, dying. And we were yeah. like... Who it's has like a an pre- open house with their loved one dying? Who does that? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a pre-probate people. sale. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. It was horrible. We did go to a hoarder's house too here. Oh, we went to a few. In La Crescenta. It smelled so bad that I had to wear a mask because like the odor coming out. But they had emptied the house. But so all you could see was the, except for the guy's bedroom. And I was just like at the front door like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out. And the dude who owned the house was sitting at a table right outside the door acting like he was the realtor. And he's like, this is my yep. home. And I was like. It's a well, lovely I'm, place. It's so great. It's so great. Where are the therapy, cats I smell? Sir. Seek therapy. Yeah, well, exactly. There was cat feces everywhere. The smell uh, of cat was so intense. I'm surprised there weren't maggots. Was he like a pet hoarder? Because this place luckily they just had the one old lady in the bed there wasn't anything else living in there that I oh yeah he see. was a cat hoarder he, he uh, hoarded cats yeah uh, that's like the worst thing I, in the world yeah my uh oh, my 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 side hustle when i'm not um you know gracing the 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 screen uh small and big i am often uh doing it support and mm-hmm. i often do i do it for companies but i also do it like in people's houses and more than oh. a few times I've walked into a house and just gone like, I don't know. I don't know if this is worth what I get paid just being here. This is not like yeah. healthy or safe. 
my husband was the before he retired he was the general manager of the local propane company up here and he would have to go to houses and like set up all their new appliances and or just say whether they would service them at all and um like the last few days my housekeeping has really dropped down because i'm taking care of mr oh i decided to cut my finger off on friday so <laughs> like the house is clean enough for his wound but it's not my usual standards of cleanliness oh, yeah. there's laundry freaking everywhere and I was complaining. I was like, oh, I can't, you know, if my mom saw this, I'd be in so much trouble because my Jewish mom lives in my head rent-free. And he said, Forever. Sarah, I have seen houses where there is human shit on the floor. He said, I left those houses and I reported the people to CPS. He's like, our house is a palace compared to these people. And I'm like, yeah, but those are like really, really big Difference. Yeah. I, I don't want to live on that scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's not a judgment of, of housekeeping. We just want to say it's a it's a judgment of the fact that you're not getting the self-care, the mental health care that we're Yes. Well, it's not affordable. Exactly. There's a hundred things, right? Like it is but you really see I think that some of times seeing these things helps you process where you are and to have appreciation for like, oh, I'm really content where I'm at. Like, this is a good, I'm in a good place. Like, I don't need to aim higher. I'm doing great <laughs> right where right. I'm we at. Came home from, we came home from the hoarder house and it was like, let's just not even move. Except yeah. that's what I said. My husband was like, no, I want to buy the hoarder house because I want to go through all this stuff. Like, they don't. Them. Why do you? Why? Why? So I want to ask you, yeah. Sarah, because... Um, the 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 propane company where uh -huh. your husband which your husband you worked there right that, yeah did you say that's, that's how you guys met that's how I met him yeah you guys keep oh. talking about side hustles and I realize my side hustle is essentially my husband this is what I I'm like that do. I like I'm, that a lot I'm like a glorified sex worker who provides some light housekeeping when I feel like that's the kind of sex worker I'm looking for. <laughs> I was there just go. gonna, I was gonna say before because he's retired, so he's older. So you're basically he he's a sugar daddy. He's <laughs> yes, and it's so funny because since we've had this puppy in the house, like I come from a family where we didn't have dogs in the house, but she was so little when we got her that now she lives in the house, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure she thinks she's human. And so when I voice her innermost thoughts, I'm like, "Hey, daddy." And then I accidentally did it in public. And I said to my husband, hey, daddy, like in the <laughs> hospital emergency room. And he turned around and he goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. This is embarrassing. So, oh, so how did you end up working for him at the propane company? And then how did you end up... <laughs> We did. This just reminds me of yesterday, you guys. We had a neighbor over, and we her husband's older, and we said, "How did you meet?" And he, she goes, "Well, he hired me for a job." And then I said, "How did you end up together?" And she said, "Well, he basically looked at me and said, I want to tap that,' and it's we've been together ever since." Wow, Smooth love story talker. for the ages. So Smooth I'm just curious. Talker. This this is a quote. Like this is literally what she said on a couch and said to me yesterday <laughs> did he say when you went into work like he goes oh i want to tap that so we're gonna hire he, you <laughs> no he had to be more subtle because he was married to somebody else at the time oh shit um, right yeah I just, awesome. I just get 
I just get worse and worse and worse as this story goes along. Um, so I was in a bad car accident, couldn't work at the San Diego Natural History Museum anymore. Um, had to come home to recuperate for about 18 months. Come home to your mom's house, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because I was I was messed up, very messed up. Um, but after I stopped like the slight drooling and the, uh, after the brain fluid stopped leaking out of my nose when I'd lean over, oh, God. Um, I needed to go back to work. Yeah, it was not fun. I needed to go back to work because like my savings were gone, right? And yeah. student loans had kicked in. So um, there was an advertisement for like the local propane company. And so I went, got hired like that same day because I really needed someone. And um, I think it was the third day I worked there. My husband came in, it wasn't my husband then. But right. okay, I have to say, when I walked in to be interviewed, you know that thing where you walk into a room and you like scope and you're like, okay, I would sleep with that person, but not that person. Hundred percent. Okay. Not allowed to you. answer this question. No, you're not allowed to answer. So I automatically, <laughs> you know, that, that's like a thing you do. You're like, who would you sleep with in this room? Well, I looked at my husband. I was like, oh yeah, I'd tap that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I tap that. That's it. I tap that. Yeah, but he had a wedding ring on. And he's old enough to be my father. Daddy. So, yeah, daddy. So like three <laughs> days later, I think I was doing something at the counter working. And he stared at me for about half an hour. I'm not kidding. Half an hour just staring at me. Oh, God. And I looked up finally and I was like, what? And he said, you know what? You'd be a really pretty girl if you would brush your hair. Oh. <gasps> Did you tell him about your brain injury at the time? Oh, everyone knew about that because I was still pretty weird with the brain injury. Oh, but, um, God. No, what I did was I quoted um, Hunter S. Thompson. I said, Mr. I am damn near unbearably attractive as it is. And then <laughs> I just didn't speak to him again for like three more days. <laughs> and uh, But by the time I stopped working there, he had left his wife and... Uh, Mm. yeah then i think we got married we lived together for like two years okay and oh then, my gosh and then we got married yeah it's so funny i had a guy tell me once if i gained weight this is when i was very skinny if i gained weight i would be attractive and i was like i hate you and i hope you die in a burning fire of hell i would never go on a date with him and you married your guy I know, but see, like a friend of mine pointed out, I had brain damage and you really shouldn't marry someone when you're like in the throes of really mm -hmm. hardcore brain damage. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that's, a, that's just a good rule of thumb. If you have Let brain me... fluid leaking out of your nose, don't mm -hmm. say yes to marriage proposals. Also, if someone finds that hot, yeah. maybe a red flag. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, hmm. Um, but before that, you were working at the Natural History Museum before the horrific accident. So what did you, what what was your plan working at the History Museum? Did, is that part of something that you studied in college? No, I was a history major. I was a um, Latin American studies. Oh, that's awesome. But I also did, uh, I have a another degree in Spanish as well. Um. I just started working there because I had student loans to pay. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't really have 
Like I was supposed to go to so law school. Like Got my it. mom wanted me to go to med school, but obviously, you know, I fainted the side of blood. So that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, my dad wanted me to go to law school. And um, I did think about that because I think that'd be kind of fun to argue with people. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, for a living. If you get into that kind of law. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but then the car accident happened. So I didn't do any of that. Um, so there wasn't there, I don't think I've ever had any type of life plan. I am not someone who's like, oh, in 10 years, I'm going to be here. I just don't. I do think that. that's fantastic. That I think that's fantastic. And I think it's so common. You know, one thing that I teach my students all the time is, listen, this isn't probably necessarily the thing you're going to do the rest of your life. Like maybe two of you will be, but the yeah. other rest of you are going to find something else. You're going to do a hundred things in your twenties. You're going to fail at most of them. Mm -hmm. There's going to be something that you don't fail at that you actually like doing. And that's the thing you're probably going to pursue for a while. And then in 10 years, you might go, nope, I still yeah. want to do that other thing. And you're going to go back to that thing. Like, you don't have to know, and it just comes to you. Like, I don't think 38 was too late or, or older or whatever. Not too late, but um, I don't think you came to it later. Oh. Late. I think you just came to it when it was time for you to come to it. I mean, you had right. this brain injury. You had sustained, you know, we're, we're saddled and burdened with so much when we graduate college, right? Especially Gen mm -hmm. X. Like, we were always on our own since the time we were, like, oh, eight yeah. or nine. Yeah. I mean... I was seven years old doing the grocery shopping, not like the major grocery shopping, but I had to go get the milk and the bread and stuff on my own. And you so you had to go I get think, your lunch. Yeah. I think like we're a generation that, well, especially Gen X, it's a generation where we grew up very quickly and then we're supposed to be professionals by the time we graduated. But that is not what the boomers were even allowing at that point, right? Like they were staying in their one job for right. a million years and not letting anybody else in. So you either stayed in this low position or you move, you move around yeah. and you decide who you are and you discover it. And there was, but there was so much pressure on us. Like we had all the student loans, you know, like they forget that Gen X is like, school was expensive. I mean, I went to a state school, mm -hmm. a big state school, but like, I was, I'm still saddled with undergraduate student loan mm -hmm. debt. Like, I mean, like yeah. we're the first generation I think that actually had massive student loan debt Yeah, and still do. And That's so we actually were actually because of Joe Biden too. <laughs> Love it. That's incredibly hilarious. Bad mouth him, but, uh, no, he, he's, you know, he, since the no. 70s, he's been fighting to help the banks and not us. So I think you can say that. Home. I think that's great. I mean, listen, if we didn't have a bad thing to say about another old white man in office, like then we're totally <laughs> not, then we're totally missing our mark and our points. Right. Like, I think like mm -hmm. just because he's more yeah. progressive doesn't make him yeah. right. Or y yeah. y you know what I'm saying? And anybody who's listening, we have a knows moral what responsibility really to question anyone exactly isn't rising to the level of a true democracy that's exactly like for the common people. That's right. And yes. people who don't understand that and think that we're like because we have something bad to say about Joe Biden, like, oh, see, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, this is exactly what we're supposed to do. This you should exactly be seeing the flaws of doing. Trump yeah. as much as we see the flaws of Biden. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then we realize, like, well, they're you know, <clears throat> I, if we have to pick one old white man, I guess I'm going to pick that one. If we have to, because you're forcing us, 
Uh-huh. Then this is the one that we're going to have more leverage over at this even point. though even though the lesser of two evils is still freaking evil that's what yeah. drives me nuts that's yes. yes and i'm so sick of boomers my mom i grew up with that saying with my mom like she'd be like well sometimes in life jamie no you're telling me every time in life as a woman i have to pick the lesser of two evils and she's like yes that's what i'm saying mm-hmm. and i'm like but that's not cool yeah that's not cool yeah, yeah, my mom didn't do that. My mom told me she was seven the first time another woman said to her, well, it's a man's world and you're just going to have to get used to it. And my mom was like, I refuse to tell my daughters or my sons that. She's like, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. If you accept the bad treatment, you're well, just you're just as at fault, right? And 100%. that's another reason why I left um, being an adjunct faculty Because I was helping perpetuate a system that hurts people because it really does. It really, it's a system of oppression. It's just a really privileged one. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I've, I left a job during the pandemic who wanted to reduce a pay where I wasn't even making minimum wage because I was a consultant Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, we have to reduce your pay more. And I said, well, it's not worth it to me. I'll just, you know, this, we're in the middle of a pandemic and my kid's home full time. He's four years old. I'm going to pay all that attention to him and writing and then figure it out from there, which brings me back to writing. It's like you have a sugar daddy who's in retirement, (laughs) but yeah, our positions are totally different. (laughs) Like if I had had a small child at home and I had, I was still paying a mortgage, I would not have been able to quit my job. I wouldn't have been able to tell them here's the problems with the system. I, I would have had to stay in that system yeah. because I'd have no options. I mean, I'm like incredibly broke all the time now. And I'm fine with that because I can live within our limited means because, because I don't have a mortgage. We paid off our cars and um, ACA. So I have healthcare. Well, yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, children first, uh, children, mortgages and mm-hmm. insurance are are the nooses around our necks that they 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 keep us yeah. all in this new indentured servitude um that that we like we we feel like we we believe we could we have options but when faced with those options very few of us have the bravery or the or, or even like are in a position where they can make the choice to to do something else yeah yeah so that alone is privilege yeah. I mean, I worked for a company who, not quietly, it wasn't written down, but encouraged their um, <clears throat> mid-level management to get married to each other. They encouraged dating within the company. They encouraged and even promoted help assistance in paying down payments on homes because if you were saddled with a mortgage, a family, children, you wouldn't ever leave the company. Yeah. You couldn't leave. And so that's how well, they, that was their model. Well, then Jamie, you worked for a cult too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, guys. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm Jewish and I never went on a birthright trip because I was privileged enough to be able to go with my family, you know, I guess on our dime. Well, because your mom's Israeli. So you always had family. You stayed oh, yeah. I mean, that, all your family that, is there. Yeah. But I mean, we it's also, different when all your family My family so assimilated. We just don't care <laughs> sure but you know the listen i if i if i came from a, a family where we didn't have the airfare mm-hmm. um 
and I was you know, like a young person and I had this opportunity to go on this paid yeah. for trip, I think I would jump at it. But later when I found out the whole idea, the motivation behind this is to get these young kids to go and have sex and maybe get pregnant. And like that is that is not unspoken. No, I actually had um, my rabbi encourage me to leave my husband, who's not Jewish, and either they had he had a guy picked out for me oh at, at the synagogue who was married to another non-jew and he's like oh you too and i was like no <laughs> and then the other part when he couldn't get like to you know couldn't do that he um he said you know if you move to israel the state will pay for you to have fertility treatments and you can have a baby that way and i was like so you'd rather i was a single mom in Israel than to stay here with my husband that I've been with for all these years and like not have a child. <laughs> it's like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> yes. That's you not to... going to happen. Sarah, you need to breed. You need to breed. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the, it. that's the message. Yeah. yeah. Well, breeding, you know, I mean, I, yes, we have a child and I'm very happy we do, but it and is he's so gorgeous. And he's so gorgeous. Oh, he's so uh, gorgeous. But but it's it is absolutely a yoke on the neck, and <laughs> <laughs> it is it, it it limits your options, which is okay, and it's certainly a choice that that we made, and I'm happy with that choice. Yeah, we made it. We we were adults when we made it. We weren't children when we made it. So it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we knew what we were sacrificing, yeah. right? Yeah. Your little hostage to fortune. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> but it's great. It's like, it does put things into some perspective too of like, um, just like seeing a hoarder's house, having a child allows you some perspective like, oh, I didn't need that trip to Europe this year because this is so much better getting up at 6 a.m. and <laughs> giving him everything he wants every second of every moment um no i kid but i'm but it's but i'm serious like it is it does put kids do put things in perspective but it's when they're like have two and you're like no i'm good with one and they're like mm-hmm. but you should have two because it really got to me people telling me like you're gonna raise a lonely human who's gonna have no one in the world and i'm like oh my god like like talk about you can never as a woman do anything right Mm-mm. like you no, have you one it's wrong you have none mm-hmm. it's wrong you have two why two? You know, you have yeah. four. Oh my God, you just can't get off your back, can you? There's yeah. never, it's never enough or it's too much or it's, mm-hmm. oh my God. I stopped at a restaurant um, after mm-hmm. having a really bad appointment with my doctor where he literally said, oh, your your embryo is dead, right? And I stopped Jesus. at a restaurant because I couldn't drive home. Oh, the puppy's having a nightmare. Um, oh, no. If you hear anything whimpering, that's not me, it's the puppy. Um, so I couldn't drive home. I was too upset. Right. And I had my mom with me and we stopped at this restaurant and it was an Italian restaurant. I'm pretty sure it was a front because no one was ever in there. Things like mafia family or something. Totally. Mm -hmm. And the woman had, the grandmother had like her great grandbaby in a playpen in the bar. 
And so my mom went to go look at the baby. I couldn't look at the baby. And the woman was like, I came out of the bathroom and the owner said, oh, you really need to give your mother a grandchild. And I was like, mm. wow, mm. <laughs> I, was, I was so close to murder that day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, I, there's, you, there's no winning. There's no yeah, winning. There's no winning. Yeah. I was writing a children's show with a new mom and we, we were for the screen and we were, um, well, actually for, um, YouTube, but anyway, so we're writing this show and she had, she was going through a difficult, uh, partner situation. She wasn't married to the father and, um, she was trying to separate from him anyway. So she was bringing her child all the time to keep him away from the dad instead of allowing the father to watch the child. And there's no abuse in the situation. They're still together. It was just, who knows what it was. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, I was trying to get pregnant and we were failing for a year and she kept bringing this baby over and over and over and over and finally she, and barely working. Like I was doing all the work. Like oh she God. was chasing a baby around because mm -hmm. <clears throat> the baby was like six, seven months. And, um, finally she looked at me and she goes, Oh, is it difficult for me bringing my child to work all the time? And I was like, in so many fucking so many ways, levels. like it's so many so levels, many levels. and like, you know it. But you're doing it anyways because, not because you have to, but because you're very selfish. This was mm -hmm. a very selfish individual who didn't mm -hmm. think of other people just herself. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm going to say something controversial probably, but <clears throat> I don't like to think of myself this way. But I do think that women without children are so much less selfish because they haven't been consumed by their child yet. So they're able to give so much of their maternal instincts still to the world and to the people around them. Not that all mothers are selfish. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think I'm selfish, but there That's is a really interesting theory. I would like to very provocative on that <laughs> it's... because I've been told all my life, the exact opposite, right? Like, oh, don't you no. worry that because you don't have children, that you're going to like you just think about yourself and I was like I would like to think about myself <laughs> I, would I, think, <laughs> I think as a man I should totally chime in on the subject yeah uh uh and, and and just say like no I I I think you're right you know from 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 the perspective of like uh a guy who you know first is a someone who's dating a, a woman and then a boyfriend and then a <laughs> husband and then a co-parent Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it all shifts. And, it shifts. And like, yeah, as it should, I, like your attention shifts. As it's and supposed we, to. Yeah. yeah. And like you come back to who you were at some point when the child is able to stand and, and eat and you're not worried about them <laughs> so much. Um, the child, but for, there's a period of time where you're selfish. You can stand, selfish. you can eat, we're done here. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. I'm so glad it did. I tried. Sometimes people don't get it, but I am trying to be Happy funny. Mother's Day. <laughs> like you're a zombie as, until your baby's ambulatory? Yeah. Then... It's exactly it. And I feel that there's, I have so many friends without children, women without children, friends who just like constantly still give of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no animosity. Even when some of them have wanted children and couldn't, there's no, like, they always show up for people. You know, they show up, they do, they make plans for their, their parents still. Like, I have a friend who just raced home who doesn't have a child and she had to race home because 
her dad went into the hospital and she has um, a disabled brother that her who's older that her mom takes care of full time and her dad and they needed someone and she was able to drop everything and do that. And I know like I would do that because I know I have a partner, Jason, who would like pick up the slack or he'd go for me and I'd stay home because that would probably be better, to be honest. But the point is like. <laughs> Yes, women who are breeding or raising other people's children are putting new adults into the world, new humans. God bless us. But I think that women, the other women who aren't having children are raising us as a society and lifting us up and keeping us um, supported in a whole different way. And it's so maternal. Anyways, that's not what this show is about. I don't know where I'm going. It's not. I want to talk about, yeah. The auntie network is what you're talking the about. Auntie network, yeah. Yes. There's something. There's something my mom says about people who have had the most suffering are the ones who are able to turn outward and like help other people with compassion. Hundred percent. Because they know. And I don't. I don't think that's me. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm just super bossy and like telling other people, "Let me come solve your problems," because you know it's a way to help. I think I think I know better than you. So mm. that's because you're the youngest. Are you the youngest? I, I am the youngest. Yeah, I'm the my youngest sisters, guy. my little sisters, the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of being bossy and telling yes. people how to do things the right way, yeah, you uh, have been supporting your writing career or augmenting it with uh, developmental editing. Yes, yes, because I'm very bossy. <laughs> that's a good segue <laughs> it's and it's interesting like who likes that because some people like it like the yeah. mean well i've always found that in relationships too like the meaner i am to people the more they like me and mm. i don't i don't know what that says about them um it says they have a closet closet of patent leather yeah i was just gonna say there's a gag ball somewhere i don't judge that you know? yeah fine by me okay um <laughs> But then there are people who have hired me to do like one read through of their manuscript and I sent them and I am not mean. I am not yeah. mean in my editing. Any, I go out of my way to be as kind and loving and supportive as possible, but I'm not yeah. going to blow smoke. Yeah. And so, you know, I got the money out of them and then I never heard from them again. <laughs> Well, okay. I, but a lot of people, but you, but got, you got the money, paid. but I got the money, you got yeah. the money. And a lot of people just think that, um, you know, there's always that debate about like, whether you need an MFA or not, like, why do you go to grad school to be a better writer or better actor? But I mm -hmm. think that's just it. It's like, so that we can one judge and make our work better, but also be in a position to help others make their work better. Right. Yes. And a lot of people feel that that they didn't, that, they don't need their work to be better. <laughs> They're like, I wrote something brilliant and you're telling me it's not. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not telling you it's not brilliant. I'm telling you it's not brilliant yet. It is. Like the the thing is here, but let's take it up a level, right? Yeah. A lot of people just don't want to hear that. <clears throat> That's true. They They send the work out to people so that they can get pats on the back, not so they yeah. can improve. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if that's your deal, um, I'm really not interested in working with you. Yeah. Because sure. I'm that's that's not the contract we enter into. Yeah. Right. I or, think or if that is what someone wants, then it'd be nice to know it up front and you don't have to put so much effort in. Yeah. A hundred percent. Take the money without all the effort. 
even then i think i don't think i could do that it would be it would oh, be you too... have scruples yeah i tried to go work at the casino up here there's a casino across the highway mm -hmm. and i um was was during it was right after the pandemic like the casino had opened back up and all of their workers mm -hmm. they needed more workers and i was like you know what i would love to go work the front desk of a hotel like yeah. the night shift and right because i don't sleep so i can like take care of my mom in the morning deal with my husband deal with all the animals and then i could go right at night and so i applied and they were like oh yeah come on in and then they're like we want you to go work in the auditing department and i was like what i don't know what that is but it sounds like math and that's not good <clears throat> and they were like no 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 it's it's great you'll love it and they sent me to the auditing department and they were like the casino money police making sure every department was doing what it was supposed to okay but i got to see how they were running the place oh. and how it was how they were like bringing these people in who were already addicted to gambling oh and it was like no. the back back room stuff and so like this one woman spent forty seven thousand dollars one day no, no. And i was adding one up day. the receipts one day one visit to the casino and i was like how does anyone have that money these aren't like rich people and they said oh well she mortgaged her house oh no and i was like oh yeah i can't i can't work here oh <laughs> I that's can't, just i can't do that because no, that's depressing i would have i would have ended up like like clinically suicidally depressed if i had had to sit there day after day and, and watch people be helped to yeah. like destroy their lives 100 percent it was horrifying. Like, I understand that gambling is an industry and that, like, you know, for those of us who have a healthy relationship with it, it can be a fun activity without being, right. you know, having too great a penalty. But that is so predatory. We have so much regulation for for other things that aren't nearly as predatory as that yeah. one single act of allowing yeah. someone to mortgage their home and then taking all that money on a gamble in a day. Yeah. I'm devastated by that. That it was is like it was sickening. Sick. And that's that probably note. their bread and butter, right? <laughs> mhm. Mm mhm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good day. They cuz um they were offering her all these incentives to come back. And I was like, "Why? She what does she have left? You've taken the house. I'm sure her cars are gone." <laughs> oh <laughs> what, my god. What more could you take from her? Did they take the mortgage on her like she went to them and mortgaged the house with them i don't know how it worked i don't know how it works but, either but i but it was there it was something like there in the casino where you can like sign things over oh jesus christ yeah because i was like this can't possibly be right this it says forty-seven thousand for this one casino visit and so the supervisor took it and she went through the she's like oh no look you can look through the system and see how that worked and she said see it's it's a it was what was the equity on her mortgage or whatever and i was like oh oh no i can't so your supervisor she's she's like fine with this like, they were all fine with it they were all fine with it wow but again they had children at home to feed all of these yeah. women had children at home to feed they had bills to pay it was the mm -hmm. end of the pandemic where you were just glad to have a job yeah. because so many jobs in the service industry went away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame them at all. I blame the system. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I couldn't do it. Like I'll come home and be poor, you know. And well, that's just it. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting because circle back full circle to acting. Um, some things that I was asked to do that I turned down. Like, no, right. I can't do that. Like that's against my principles that's against who I am like that's not something I want to do and god bless anybody who else who can or does have a child at home you know or yeah. is a single mom or needs I'm not gonna do it I'm gonna go to my job at Starbucks I'm gonna make some lattes and I'm gonna send them out and I'm gonna pay my rent and sleep on a friend's couch for a yeah. while and eat just peanut butter for five meals in a row but I'm not going to do that you know, it's like when people ask you, like, why didn't your career take off? Like, why aren't you further? Because I wouldn't do certain things, you know, like I couldn't. It would leave me not being the person I am anymore. And I don't know who that person is. And that's scary. Yeah. That gives me anxiety because I do have anxiety. So, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, we have choices we have to make. And God bless people who can make them and and. God help us the ones who are like, you know what? I like my little bungalow yeah. that I've, I've, I've earned this bungalow now and I can pay the rent and I feel good. And I didn't have to, I did, I made the choices that were right for me. Let's just say it yeah. that way. Right. You know, and yes, my career didn't go where I had hoped it would go, but because it's because I made the choices that were right for me in a system that is set up for someone else, you know, mm -hmm. like whatever. I don't know. I had a, I, a friend I worked with who had been a stripper and yeah, she, I have a lot of stripper friends. She, um, I, I don't, I lost contact with her, but, um, she, I had my little niece at work with me. My niece stayed home sick from school. Her mom couldn't take her to her job. So I took her to my job and she was doing gymnastics cause she wasn't really that sick. And, um, my friend Mandy came in and started showing her some moves and then she was like if she's like oh if we had a poll i could really show you some things and so sasha was like really enjoying herself mandy was really enjoying herself and then mandy got this funny look on her face and then the next day she came in and she's like i just wanted to apologize because i was thinking afterwards like that wasn't really appropriate for me to be teaching the six-year-old stripper moves and i was like why and she was like, well, you don't really want her to grow up and be a stripper. And I was like, I want her to grow up and be as self-sufficient as possible. And I was like, if she needs to be a stripper to pay yeah. the bills, or even if she just enjoys it, mm -hmm. I want her to have those skills. Is that yeah. I want her to be able to take care of herself. I don't care what she's doing. And Manny yeah. was like, oh, okay. And, um, but it was like, I don't know. I think the world has really done a number on us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This was amazing. You are so funny and so smart and so talented. And I loved getting to know you better because I never really got to have in-person conversations with so many people that I admire online from afar. So this was great. Thank you so, so, so much. You were so you good. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It was so nice meeting you and talking to you. Thank you. Yeah.